Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My guest today is Bode Abaderin. Bode, also known as Papa B, is a writer, motivational speaker, businessman and stay-at-home dad. And in June this year, he released his debut book, Fatherhood by Papa B. Through his social media, speaking engagements and writing, Bode is on a mission to communicate his rapidly changing beliefs on fatherhood and masculinity. His conversation focuses around how he went from climbing the corporate ladder to running a household and family business. Originally from Nigeria, Bode now runs a growing media business with his wife, Candice Braithwaite, supporting and championing her plans for world domination. His book is described as a relatable and game-changing guide for parents that redefines what it means to be a present-day father. As a father of three, he shares the joyful and transformative journey of starting a family, reflecting on his own upbringing alongside stigmas about fatherhood, race and masculinity. As someone who is going from strength to strength, empowering his viewers and tackling thought-provoking issues, I'm so excited to chat to him today all about his Sliding Doors moments. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Bode. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. It's a pleasure to have you. So what would you prefer me to call you? What what are you kind of mostly known by? Is it Bode or Papa B? Uh, you know what? Papa B's fine. Papa B works. That was actually Candice that coined that or Candice that created that name Papa Pianist just stuck ever since and yeah. it works it I'm works and it. I was gonna say where did it come from so why did she start calling you Papa B I, don't, I think she, she says I have 
I've oh, she says I've always acted like like a father, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, I get it. It's just that fatherly thing about me. So just oh, stop acting like a father, man. What's wrong with you? And <laughs> so that's that's where it came from. So that's what that's that's why she calls me Papa B. Amazing. I love it. And how is life kind of being part of a power couple? I like I know in the description I kind of said that you really champion and kind of really like help her and but you also have your own thing going on you're both kind of like you know starting to potentially take over the world and how does that feel being a part of a couple you know what it's 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 great it's it's great but both of us have I think it's amazing when you have both when both parties are you know facing the same direction and for us that's what it is what's most important to us is the end goal and we have the same end goal in terms of creating an environment that is beneficial for our children for the next generation so it's really important to us so it it it, it, it comes like second nature yeah although there's a lot of work that goes into it I mean being being married to someone and then running a business with this with that same person can actually be difficult you know <laughs> it can be very difficult but I can imagine we, we, we both Go for th- we both go into th- we both um go for therapy so we constantly have somewhere where we can you know share how we really feel you know a mm-hmm. safe space with someone that's trained to do that so that means that when we come together to make decisions or run the family or run the business we're coming with our we try to come in there with our best selves yeah so it's, it's just that not putting I don't I don't put myself above her she doesn't put my, herself above me although we also make ourselves important of but, course we always look at it from the other person's perspective. Um, yeah. We were, we, we were just laughing and joking in the office yesterday and I was sat on the computer, you know, paying bills and sorting out the accounts and whatnot. And she was dealing with content and she says, what are we doing? I said, well, I'm the engine. I'm dealing with the engine. And, and she goes, so what do I do? I was like, you drive the car. <laughs> and, and, that's just, and that's just pretty much it. You know, without yeah. the engine, the car can't function. And, you know, without the person actually drives the car, the engine is useless. So it's just understanding our roles within our setup and it works perfectly. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you say you both think about the other's point of view, because I think a lot of couples, even when, you know, you have kids and you're working and there's loads going on, everyone feels like they're the person that's the busiest and going through the most. And it's about understanding the other. But um, yeah, I love that so much. And I also think you make a really good point of like, you know, going to therapy and speaking to someone outside your marriage is probably a very good thing to be able to, you know, to be better when you're together. Exactly, exactly. It's, 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 it was a game changer for us, game changer for me, to be honest, having that space where I could speak to someone about how I truly felt. Of course, look, I'm, I'm married to someone and this is what happens in most relationships. You you disagree on a lot of things, you get on each other's nerves, all that kind of stuff. But therapy has provided that space for us to actually discuss these things. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, with someone that is trained to do stuff like that, it's a safe space. And that person helps you see a different perspective Exactly. So I typically I come out of or we come out of therapy feeling, you know what? Yeah, that was a misunderstanding. I get it from his perspective or her perspective. And let's just work on it. You know, let's, yeah. let's just deal with it. I, it's simple. I heard something. I can't remember where I heard it from, but the person said, I think the, the mistake that a lot of people make, especially when in relationship is when somebody says something. So when your other half is angry with you and she goes, oh, you annoy me. What then happens is people tend to hold on to that. Oh, she says I annoy her. 
that means she doesn't love me. No, that's not yeah. the truth. Ruminating the truth. and like uh, starting at one place, yeah, and ending exactly. at a completely different destination. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's not the truth. She's saying at that point, in that moment, you've yeah. done something to annoy her. So let's focus on that moment rather than expand it to every part of the relationship. Yeah, so true. So true. And you said there that, you know, you feel like you've always had this kind of like papa father nature. What were you like as a as a kid? What was I like a kid? <laughs> I, tell, I tell you what, look, as a child, I, I was a dreamer. Um, you know, I, I, I visualized a lot. I always went into myself a lot to actually just picture things. I was quite creative as a child. But then growing up, you know, I, I spent half my life in Nigeria, which is where I was born. Um, yeah. Growing up in Nigeria, which is, to be fair with you, the kind of the way the society is set up is high. It's, it's heavy on the side of the patriarchy, right? Yeah. It's heavy on the side of a man needs to be, you know, that definition of what a man needs to be, stoic. Yeah void of emotions, stuff like that. So I often had my father, for example, really try to beat, not beat me, but just beat me, beat that feeling of, right, I want to visualise things. I want to sit down and dream. He often saw that as daydreaming, right? That's daydreaming. You're wasting your time. Go do something more constructive. Come Mm -hmm. and sit down and watch the news and learn about current affairs. Come and do this, come and do that. So I, I kind of feel there was a bit of a, I mean, my mom, on the other hand, she 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 was the visionary, and, and I say this to this day. I don't think she quite understood what she was doing, but she always provided that balance. So you yeah. see, where dad was heavy on the oh, you must be this way as a man, you know, why are you crying? Why are you crying like a girl? You know, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. mom would then take me and put her arms over me, or you know, rub my head and just give me that warmth, that softness that I required. So that's how I was able to strike that balance. But as a child, I was I always questioned things. Yeah. I always question things. I always wondered in my head, why is it this way? This doesn't feel right. So why is it done this way? Why mm-hmm. is it done this way? So I think I'd made a conscious decision that when I was old enough and when I was looking after myself, I'd really try to find out why things were a certain way. And it makes so much sense from everything that you do and all the motivational speaking but and everything. And I, I love that you're a visionary and it's really nice that you had that balance from your parents because I think yes. you were then able to also kind of, you know, do what you wanted to do, but kind of have both sides from your mum and your dad. And we're yes. going to talk a lot in your moments about your life and kind of significant moments. But I yes. wanted to talk about, so I mentioned that you've got a book out and I wanted to yes. know what kind of really triggered you to write this book? Because it's, it's a really you know, it's very relevant for today, especially with, you know, there's so much more talk going on about parental rights and, you know, father rights and everything and equality in from all shapes and sizes. So why did you want to write this book? To answer your question bluntly, I didn't want to write a book. (laughs) I I, I didn't even know I was going to write a book. I didn't feel like I was able to write a book. I was always happy to be in the background, just, you know, supporting Candice and saying, yay, go do your thing. And I'm just there in the background. I I most certainly didn't think I was capable of doing that. I still struggle with imposter syndrome till now. Yeah. And I'm I'm happy to admit that now. But you see me two years ago, I wouldn't have admitted that at all. Right? I would have put on that strong face. So I'd created a version of myself that I was projecting Mm -hmm. onto the world. That's what I wanted the world to see. But deep down inside, there were so many questions that I, I, that were, that were unanswered, that that didn't have answers to. But you know what? I got approached by a publishing company that I'd listened, but by a lady that worked for a publishing company and she'd watched me on social media and probably heard a few things I'd said. 
and heard a few things that my wife Candice had said as well and just thought there is something there mm-hmm. so she she knocked on my door for about a year really and I, I, I looked for every excuse under the sun <laughs> as to why I couldn't do it I said I didn't have the time I said work commitments I said I wasn't able to write loads of stuff and every time I gave her excuses she came back with support like look this is how okay I hear you but this is how I'm going to support you because I really think there is something here there's something you have to say and I really think we need to get that down on paper yeah and that 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 was it and I wrote the book and the book I then realized I was about halfway point I realized I was writing for myself Mm-hmm. So not for anyone anymore. I was yeah. now writing for me. It was the things I wanted to hear, the things I wish I'd heard throughout my journey, yeah. how I truly felt. That's that's what was happening. And the book then served, served, it served, it served the purpose in my life because it then became healing for me. Mm-hmm. So for anyone that's read the book or would then go on to read the book, would then I hope you see that at the beginning of the book, I start with some kind of anger towards my father. And then towards the end, I've come to a point of understanding. Yeah. So as I was writing that book, I was learning and I was breaking down things and I was going through therapy and I was getting answers to so many questions I had and I was just pouring it down on the paper. So for me, that book was saved me. It was mm-hmm. healing for me. Yeah. 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 And I think from talking to so many different people, I think as well, one thing that I find really interesting about what you just said is, is that I think when we think about people that, you know, write books, make podcasts, go on TV, they've got to be this like, you know, they've got to be a genius. So they've got to invented something or be the most talented person in the world when actually all people want is relatability. People want to be able to relate and learn. And although you didn't feel like you could write a book, actually everything you were going through supporting your wife, quitting your job, being yes. a stay-at-home dad, you know, men want to learn how to do that. And the best way Absolutely. they can learn is for someone that's doing it. Absolutely. I had so many male friends, you know, ask me questions. How is it you do this? What, what, what was happening or what had been happening over the years is I always had people coming to me. People yeah. always came to me to ask me for advice, especially the younger generation, younger men. They always came to me to you know, I'm trying to figure this out. How, how do you think? Can you give me some advice? And I always had the time for them, the time to sit yeah. down and talk them through stuff. But was I taking that advice for myself? Ah, that's a different oh, question. We never did. <laughs> we never do. Yeah. So I, I, I was always doing that. And people just saw me as someone that had this wealth of knowledge and stuff. And I've come to understand that it's probably my ability to assess, to self-assess yeah. and break things down. I'm constantly do that up till this day you find me sitting down in a corner and I'm being quiet yeah and I'm, it looks like I'm away with the fairies but no what I'm actually doing is assessing and reassessing for example I was driving yesterday and I kind of made a mistake whilst driving and that thing has played on my mind oh I'm exactly the same it's played on <laughs> my mind to a point that today as I was driving that same route I try to avoid the route it's like <laughs> So I'm that kind of person. I'm yeah. constantly playing in my mind now. What could I have done better? That's what it. mistake did I make? How do I approach it next? Mm-hmm. So I'm always doing that. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where, yeah. No, you're a very good friend to have because I feel like friends will get some very good advice from you. And I wanted to ask, and I, and I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear it from you. Do you think there is still this kind of big stigma attached when you kind of say that you're a stay-at-home dad? So if you say it to other people or just even people like hear the terminology stay-at-home dad? Yes, 
big time. Yeah, I know. Was, I knew you would say that. Big, big time. There's still that stigma. And it, I've got to be honest about something. And when I resigned, when I quit my job, and to be honest, the reason the reason I gave my boss at the time was, look, I'm not happy here. I, I don't feel the fire in my belly anymore. I've done it for years, but I, I don't wake up in the morning feeling excited about going to work anymore. So I think you need to get someone else, mm-hmm. you know, and you get more value for your money because the person actually wants to do the job. So I resigned. But then what I struggled with over the course of a year or a year and a half, or even till a few months ago was defining myself. Mm-hmm. When people asked me, what do you do? Yeah, I found myself looking for, like, yeah, I do this, I do that. Yes, I do, but I'm a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. Why did I run away from saying that? And it wasn't until... Candice, my wife again, and and Francesca, who's my manager, but also a very good friend, said, you are a stay-at-home dad. And what you do is very, very important. Okay? What you do is very important. Because of what you do, your wife is then able to go out there and do what she knows how to do best. And when she does that, your house gets looked after. So what you do is very, very important. Don't get it twisted. It was then I and then I had a conversation with my therapist as well, and she also echoed that. And mm-hmm. I thought, why is it that I, why did I feel that way about yeah. defining myself that way? And I came to understand something, and the realization was, I asked myself a question: What is my masculinity tied to? And I realized that my masculinity was tied to what I did for work, and I, what I earned. That's what I found. And I thought, whoa. What a sad state of affairs. Mm -hmm. But then when I spoke to a lot of men, it's the same thing. Well, what do you do? What's your job title? What did you study? You know, stuff like that. I'm thinking, how have we as a society got to a point where what somebody earns in terms of money or what the person does for work or what the person's job title is defines who they are you can't even use your job title to get a mortgage yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so true yeah but how do we get there and and it's just society and what's pumped into us as men from young that this is what we need to be you need to be that person you need to be the provider you need to do that but the different ways to provide a hundred percent the different ways to provide i'm a stay-at-home dad i'm providing I am yes. providing right there and then. Yeah, I'm doing the laundry. I'm doing all that kind of stuff so that Candice doesn't have to do all those things. And, and you're also bringing both. up children into the world. Exactly. <laughs> exactly that. So, yeah, to answer your question, I know I answered in a very long way. There's a massive stigma attached to that. You know, I, I still talk to a few men, even now, that you say, oh, no, I could never do that. I remember when I told my father that that's what I was going to do. He says, what? You're going to do what? You're going to quit your job to do what? To sit down at home? To cook? Whilst your wife goes to, so wait, let me get this straight. If you need money, you're going to ask your wife for money. And I was like, yeah, what's wrong with that? It's crazy, isn't it? Because there's no people, as you say, it's like when people, when females talk about stuff, they're like, I'm a mother or people about how many kids have you got and da, da, da. but they don't do yeah. that with men and it's men don't. don't ever really say I'm a father as like part yes. of what they are and the yes. fact that you even need to say that you're a stay-at-home dad is also quite funny because you're just a dad looking after your kids it's like you're exactly. not like bound to the house that you can't move exactly exactly that and you know what being a stay-at-home dad then gave me the opportunity to spend do what I really love spend more time with my children get to know my children very well do loads of things with them. I'm one of the only two men in the WhatsApp group in my kids' school. Well, if how happy you seem, 
is mm. any sign then everyone should be a stay-at-home dad because you just radiate yeah. happiness so um i think it's great and it's brilliant to keep having the conversation and before we start talking about your sliding doors moments i wanted to ask you what are your beliefs in fate and coincidence and the what if moments and the whole like sliding doors theory what what do you believe personally i'm a massive believer in that massive believer in that and uh, again that was through me really thinking through things um i always say something that so many people see that moment in different ways um christians receive that as a, a a miracle or some sort or you know a higher power you know god getting involved you know muslims see it as something different um buddhists see that see it as something different um those are, you know, what in the Scientologists see it as something different. I see it as that moment where your life changes. Where you is at that point where if it went one way, it's a different outcome from the other way. And I think that's what really those points that we start to learn. And I think I I am of the school of thought that we have a lot of those sliding door moments in our oh, lives. God, yeah. I think we have a lot of them. How we come out of it is basically is based on how we react to it, right? Mm-hmm. How we react to it. When something that we class as negative happens, if we choose to then hold on to that negativity, that negativity has a way to, it has a way of growing and then it festers and then it becomes something else. Whereas if you kind of look at it, you know, it's the glass half full, glass half, yeah. half empty thing. When you look at it from the other perspective, you learn from the mistake because if something goes wrong there is a part you've played in that yeah regardless of whatever the situation is it might be somebody has done you wrong yes I get it but there's a part that you've played in that mm-hmm. if you can learn from that part then you're on to a winner so for me I think sliding door moments are so important and the moment I heard about this I thought oh that's a conversation I'd love to have <laughs> Definitely. And, and I, 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 there's a thing that where I'm, I sit down and I'm just from pretty much from everything now, I'm fishing for sliding door moments now. I'm like, where is it? What is the message? Yes. What am I supposed to learn from this? Mm-hmm. What is the message? And my, my, my ritual is I go to sleep. Yeah. I go to sleep. And I, I, I've done, I did it a few times when Candice and I first of all met. She thought, she said, what in the world are you doing? I was like, trust me. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to have an answer. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to have an answer. And that's exactly what happens. Every time there's something that happens that's not necessarily going the way we want it to go, rather than freak out, I'm just like, right, I'm going to bed, I'm going to sleep. And then I go to sleep and I wake up. And somehow, whilst I'm sleeping, I think I'm able to then take myself out of my physical body and observe the situation as an outsider where I'm able to see everything from every angle so I'm thinking right I came at it that way but if I come at it that way that may have happened I I, I can't explain it but that's what happens to me you're right I think sometimes as well it takes a bit of time to realize that it was a sliding doors moment and to realize that okay well that happened so that that could happen and that could happen that could happen and that's why I love doing the podcast because it gets people to think back to those times and be able to dissect them. So we'll go right into your first moment, which is flunking out of university in Nigeria back in 2002. So take us back to Nigeria in 2002. What were you studying and why did you flunk out of university? Right. So 
my father had a dream and he had a dream to be, he had a dream where he was going to be a lawyer or an economist or something, you know, something really prestigious in terms of profession and whatnot. But he never became those things. He wasn't a lawyer. He wasn't an economist. And until this day, he talks about how he regretted that or how he regrets it. Yeah. So I think what he was essentially trying to do was force that on, on me, on us, his children. But yeah, I was supposed to be a lawyer. Now I think you should go study law. I mm-hmm. think you should go study economics. Now, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to compete in the Olympics. Really? So I used to, exactly. I used to, I was I was a runner. So I used to do hundred meter. The hundred meter distance was my race, right? I was mm-hmm. a runner, and I had really good times. That's what I really wanted to do. But you see, that dream was shut down pretty quickly. And I was put into a university in Nigeria. It was then a very good private university. And I I was part of the pioneer set of the university. So I was the first set in there. Um, Of course, I wasn't paying attention. I got in there to study. I was put in there to study economics. Okay. Then I changed my course halfway through the year to business administration without telling anyone just because I just wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't feeling it at all. I just didn't like any bit of it. Uh, And... I knew I was going to flunk. I knew I was going to fail because throughout, you know, there are three semesters. I think there were three semesters in the year. Uh, I'd flunked the first semester. I'd flunked the second semester. So of course I was going to flunk the third. Of course I was going to flunk the whole year. I knew that, yeah. but I hid it. I hid mm-hmm. it and I lied about it. Oh, so uh, it you lied to you? Did, so they didn't know that you'd flunked? They, they didn't know I'd flunked. I told uh. my, my mom and my dad. I was like, yeah, I passed. That's fine. And they kept asking, so where are the results? Then? I'm like, nah, they haven't sent the results yet. <laughs> but I knew I'd flunked. Yeah. And then what happened was so funny. Um, my dad used to do some business with the university. So one day he said, oh, yeah, you, we're going to go. So he used to take me out on the holidays just to go see how we worked. And then for some reason, I was like, yeah, I'm going to stop at your university today because I've got to pick something up. And I thought, okay, cool, fine. I didn't think anything of it. You know, yeah. I didn't, because just like we're going to the business side of it. We're not really going to the educational side of it. So that's yeah. fine. And as we got into the room, some professor came in. It's like, oh, how are you doing? You know, your results are out in front of my dad. You're like, shut up. <laughs> And in my head, I'm like, shut up. Like, Do you know your results are out? Oh, yeah, you should go. In fact, come with me. I'll give you, I'll give you oh, your dad no. your results. I'm so you, I'm, I'm sure you're eager to see it. And there and then we sat down and I already knew what it was. I knew what flunked, I knew it was done. And then, you know, obviously, I even lied about the arm I was in, because there were three arms in a year. So yeah. I lied about the arm I was oh, in. I said I was in, I was in economics because then nobody knew I was studying business administration. So I said I was in economics. So he was looking along the economics arm and I couldn't find my name. It was like, oh, no. Oh, you were in there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, no, no. Then he punched my name on the system. It was like, no, you did business administration. And, oh, you failed. Drastic, like you failed. And wow. you failed and you've actually been advised to withdraw from the university. Wow. Yeah, that was it. That was exactly what happened. And obviously, that moment, I just was so bad. I felt like crap, total and utter crap. But that's the reason why I ended up in the UK. Because... Go on. Because after then, my dad was like, look, I really don't know what to do with you. And then one of my cousins that was in the UK said, you know what, just send him to me. Just send him over here. And, you know, I'll figure it out with him. And that's how I ended up coming into the UK. And then, of course, I've come to the UK. I've learned so many things whilst living in the UK. I've become, a, you know, a citizen of the country, you know, gained my passport and all that kind of stuff. Met my lovely wife, had my lovely children. 
you know, running this business, writing a book. Now, if that didn't happen, yeah, I wouldn't be here today. No, you wouldn't. And I think that is a really brilliant sign doors moment because I think that, you know, as you say, to be able to say the reason why you failed and flunked all the things that you did, you know, ultimately, if you hadn't of, you probably wouldn't have come to the UK. It wasn't like you, I wouldn't have. you know, you were, you were taken there because you're like, we can't do this anymore. Let's do something yes. different. But what, yes. what were your parents like when you, I mean, actually, no, let me take it back. Do you think if you were engaged in what you were studying and you were enjoying it, do you, do you think you have the ability to have passed? Yes. Yeah, I would have had. I, I would have had. I had the ability to pass. Look, I had in my secondary school education and primary school education. I was a straight A student. Yeah, so I would have passed, but I just wasn't interested. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't interested in any of that. I knew what my dad wanted me to do. My dad wanted me to, you know, gain those qualifications and then join him on his business and run his business. That was his dream. Yeah, massive dream. Run his business, but I didn't want any part of that. And None. do you think? And when he found out that you had flunked. Yeah. Do you think he had a realization to be like, like I've pushed him into this? It's not right. Or was he angry? What was his reaction? He was angry. He was yeah. angry at that point. He was angry, and actually, I think he also got hit with a sliding door moment maybe about three, four years ago. Yeah. When he he said to me voluntarily, like, you know what? It was a good thing you failed at that university <laughs> because look, because look at you now. Wow. Because if, if if he goes, if if that didn't happen, then you would have probably still been in Nigeria running my company and, and whatnot. And yeah. you wouldn't be here today where you're just you're just happy. You're, yeah. I, oh. I look at I look at you and I just see you're, you're, I just see peace. Like that mm. had to happen for you to come out here and just really focus on what was most important. Wow, that is the dream sliding doors moment to have that realization at the end. Yes, yes, yes. I love absolutely. that. Absolutely. And then when you moved to the UK, what mm. did you do when you first moved over here? Did you study again? So when I moved to the UK, I, was, I studied again. So I got into university here and I actually did quite well. So I studied business information technology. Because again, I looked at that point. I said, you know what? I was put in university, man. I should have just focused on that. I could have done it. I could have just focused on just not causing anybody pain. So look, I, I got into university here. Business information technology was what I studied and I passed. You know, I, I finished with a 2-1, which is a second class upper. Yeah. But what I then did was when I finished, I gave the certificate to my dad and I said, here you go, that was for you. Okay. Wow. I said, that was for you. I never wanted to do any of that. Okay. But that was for you. And I haven't set my eyes on my certificate ever since. Really? I know it's back home in Nigeria. Yeah. And I never used the certificate. I never worked in that field. I ended up working in construction. Yeah. Oh, really? I ended up working in construction, you know. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you learn any kind of like, because also I think from hearing what you're saying as well, once the kind of pressure from your dad was taken off and you were here and you were kind yes. of like in a new realm, you could probably focus better. But I'm guessing yeah. you probably also learned transferable skills from being at university and having to study something. Absolutely, because I say I worked in construction, right? I say I worked in construction, but a part of construction I worked in was the business part of it. Yeah. Right? So I, I supplied equipment to the construction company. So I, I managed accounts of massive multinational businesses that were turning over millions so of course there are transferable skills uh, you know I, I, I can't deny that but you know it, it, that sliding door moment had to happen it, it had to happen yeah yes and I love how you can you know you've you've translated it all the way to like your wife and your kids and where you are now and that's brilliant and you mentioned this slightly before of what your dad said but I'd love to ask you 
Do you ever think about what would have happened if you hadn't have flunked and if you had stayed in Nigeria and how different your life would have been now? Yeah, I do think about that. And I don't think I would have enjoyed it. I don't think I would have been yeah. happy at all. I don't think I would have, I needed... You see, that space between... Most especially that space between myself and my dad was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, that space between myself and my dad helped me to figure out who I am as a person. Because yeah. in my book, I write it that my dad... Great guy, but he's very, he's very overpowering. Like he comes into a room and it just sucks the energy out of the room. He's that kind of person that just demands so much from you. So if I was still there, I would have been in his shadow Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have been a happy person at all. Right. So me leaving that space and coming out here to figure things out and figure myself out was actually quite, you know, it was a really important moment in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was required. Yeah. And it was all meant to be. And, you know, I think it also shows that out of failure can come massive success. As you said before, we can take the positive out of the negative. So thank you. That is a great Slime Doors moment. And onto your second Slime Doors moment, which is the breakdown of your relationship with Samantha, which is Renee's mum. So thank you for opening up about this. Um, Do you want to explain how this was a Sliding Doors moment for you? Right. So you are you are where there's a saying that you are where you grow or you are your environment. I'm not sure I've said it the right way, but so even though I had balance when I was growing up in the sense of my mom, again, like I said, she was a visionary. I was the person that she put into the kitchen to teach how to cook, not my sisters. I was the person that she taught how to clean. And she often told me that, look, this is the way to be a man, not the way your father is saying. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because she grew up with a man, but my grandfather that was kind of like the way I am right now she tells me all the time that you're just like my dad you're just like your granddad um so I had that balance but what I knew so my first example of a man of a father was my dad Mm -hmm. so I'd embodied a lot of my dad's behaviors and I've got I've got to be honest they were they are they were toxic traits Mm -hmm. you know toxic masculinity I'm going to take it all the way there so I went into this relationship with Samantha who's Renee's mother um and that was my first proper relationship. And I went into it with all that, you know, the toxic masculinity stuff. It, it, it was big. And she could see right through all that stuff. She could mm-hmm. see right through all of it. And every time she tried to call it out, you know, I reacted negatively. You know, for me, I was like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. You're not going to tell me you're a woman. I'm a man. I'm the head of this family. You know, I'm going to work and I'm putting money on the table. I'm putting food on the table. You can't demand anything else from me. So I was that guy. Yeah. I've got to I've got to be brutally honest about it. And I even say it in my book that I hate to be that guy. Unfortunately, I hate to be that guy where you know I put another woman through something and then learn and then I'm married to somebody else and I'm a totally different person. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Luckily for us, we've been able to fix that relationship. We're really good friends now. We have amazing conversations. We talk about things not just to do with our daughter, Renee, but we talk about other things. We talk about business. We talk about life. We give each other advice. So it's great now. But I was that guy then. That relationship broke down, rightly so. And that was that was really good for her. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That was really good for her because she deserved better than that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it broke down and she decided to call it quits. I was heartbroken. 
because again, the narcissistic, toxic masculinity thing is like, how dare she do that to me? So for a space of about a year, I looked at it that way, that she had left me and yeah. she would she was the cause of all the problems I was facing because then I'd lost the job I was doing. So there was no money coming in. I was having to rely on 30 pounds a week sent by, from my, sent by my mom through her friend from Nigeria. That's what I was having to rely on. And I just blamed her for everything, right? Yeah. For, for the space, space of a year. But then my the moment came when one day my dad just called me and he said, look, do, 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 do you fancy getting on a plane and just coming to Nigeria for, for a week or so. Because I just feel like you're in a very bad place. You're avoiding yeah. people's phone calls. He didn't quite know what to call it. And even then, I couldn't define what it was. Now I can. I was depressed, heavy. Yeah. It's weird. Um, when you're in that realm, you just don't think yes, you are. Yeah. It's only until afterwards. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, nothing was right. Anything anyone has told me just didn't make sense. I wasn't going to happen. Everything you guys are saying doesn't make sense. I know what I'm facing right now. I'm right in the eye of the storm and it's painful here and it's never going to stop. That's exactly yeah. how I felt. And, and he just called me one day after I'd avoided his calls for a very long time and said, look, do you mind just coming for a week or something? And I said, fine, let's do that. Um, cool. And then he bought me a ticket. I got on the plane. Something happened and I till this day so so many of my sliding door moments I can't explain it's like some divine intervention right yeah I was on the plane the plane took off it was Heathrow Airport the plane took off I got upgraded again for no reason I remember it vividly I got upgraded from economy to to, to business class you know it was like wow. oh, you were, we're upgrading you I was like oh, fine <laughs> the plane took off and at the moment the plane left you know like the UK yeah I felt, physically felt scales fall from my eyes. I still can't explain. I felt wow. scales fall from my eyes. I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders. I just took a deep breath. I just felt at peace. Mm -hmm. Got to Nigeria for a week, which was required. It was needed just to be around love, be around yeah. my family, be around my mom and my dad. And for the very first time in their relationship, for the many years I've known them, I saw both of them come together and deal with it from one perspective. Which is what you needed. Which is what I needed. A week after I returned to the UK and I never looked back, I hit the ground running and I stopped blaming her for what happened. Mm -hmm. So the point that we then had conversations a few years after and I said, I take responsibility for the part that I played in that relationship. Yeah. I take responsibility for the part that I played in the breakdown of that relationship. Truth is, I wasn't a good guy. Yeah. Uh, you deserve better. I take that. I take that responsibility. And again, because of that, it made me change who I was. I was able to realize that I was not moving in the right direction. I was adding toxicity into this world, and that wasn't what the world needed. That's not what women needed. That's not what black women needed. So it made me really reassess and figure things out. But if that didn't happen. I felt that what I was doing was right and it yeah. was okay and there was no problem with it. Of course, and you wouldn't have had your daughter. Like, that's the other thing with these types yes. of relationships. Like, you know, you'll always have your daughter, which you'll obviously never want to have not had. But exactly. I also think you're you're also right if you hadn't have had that relationship specifically. And yeah, I know yes. this sounds not very nice to say, but sometimes I believe that you have certain relationships to prepare you for the next ones and the ones after. Absolutely. And maybe this was why you had this one. But Absolutely. I think it's an extremely rare from what I know anyway for someone to really be able to take the responsibility of the part that oh, yeah. they played and things like that and 
do you, you know, was there a bit of a light bulb moment of, because I know you've explained that you went home and then you came back and, but do you ever remember feeling like, and it isn't necessarily such a light bulb, especially when you've been through depression, it's a very slow recovery and it's day mm. by day, yes. but there is sometimes a time when you're like, you know what, like, that's why this happened and that's why we broke up. And do you remember feeling that feeling? I absolutely remember feeling that feeling. And for me, I think that was the birth or the genesis of the way I view things and the way I deal with conflict now, which is I would always, if someone comes to me to say, you've done something to me, you've done something to upset me, I would always look at it from that person's perspective. Mm -hmm. Because that person has told me that I've done something that they don't like. Now, regardless of how I feel about it, that's my perspective. Whatever it is I did, let's piss them off. Yeah. I need to give that space. I need to listen to that. And I need to take responsibility for that. After I've taken responsibility for that, then we can talk about other things. But if someone comes to me to say, Oi, listen, the way you spoke to me that I didn't like it. It's not for me to start saying, well, you're the person that took it like that. That's not right. Yeah. Especially with someone that you love. Exactly. And that was the genesis. That was the beginning of it for me. That's when I started to understand that in this world, you have to continue to be, you need to show empathy towards people's feelings. You need to care about other people. You need to put love into this world. That was the genesis of it for me. And Again, like I said, it just tied in together with everything my mother tried to teach me when I was younger, which is that's not how to be a man. That doesn't make you a man. In fact, that makes you a very weak man. That's but not it, also, strong... it also sounds like you also had inside you that you knew that wasn't right when you were younger, but exactly. you've been conditioned to like, it, it's almost like someone had pushed you on a side that you didn't even want to be on, but then yes. you went on it yes. and then you always knew it wasn't right, but then you came back at the end. Exactly. So it's just so many things coming together for that moment where that relationship broke down. And again, it's not, an, it wasn't an instant thing. Like I said, it was over the course of about a year or so thereabout for that to happen for me to actually understand, wow, okay, this is where I got it wrong. This is what happened. Of course, it took me so many years after that to really try to work on things and fix things because the damage has already been done. But we got there in the end. Yeah. And we only got there because I was able to take responsibility. Yeah. It's for me, gr- that's the lesson I learned there. Yeah. yeah, and it's a great sign doors moment because I think a lot of people, when they go through heartbreak or breakup, I know I was the same, you want to know, you want to understand why did, why is this, that there'll be one day when I'll understand why this happened. And I love the fact that you know this about yourself. And as yes. you say, if you hadn't have had this relationship, you wouldn't be who you are now, but you wouldn't have had your daughter. Yes. You wouldn't have your yes. wife now, your other kids. So again, it, it's an amazing sliding doors moment. And thank you for sharing it because I think it's, it's just very rare to hear anyone speak about kind of negatively about themselves and see themselves in that light. And it's all about you know, recognizing it's not even that you do it for other people. You did it for yourself just as much. I did it for myself. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, Absolutely. Oh, so now onto your last sliding doors moment, which again is a really big one, which I can't wait to <laughs> yes. chat about is um, me deciding to quit work and take uh, the role of stay at home dad and now author during the pandemic. So I know I, I kind of know that you also did like a podcast episode to like announce this to the world that you decided to do this. Um, yes. And it's a really big one, which I think will inspire a lot of our listeners. So um, you've explained a little bit now but explain the kind of job you're in and explain a little bit more how you know you came to the decision to quit your job and how this just became your sliding doors moment 
Right. So uh, the kind of job I did then, I, like I said, I worked in construction, but what I did was provide equipment for major construction companies. So the house builders, the Barrett Homes, you know, stuff like that. I I, I managed their accounts. And this was, uh, was a job and a half, right? That job I can imagine. Me, was a national role. It took me because I can imagine that the development up and down the country, this Probably no part of England I haven't been to. I've done the job and look, I was quite successful at it. I, I, I've got to be honest, I was quite successful at it. I'd reason pretty high within the business. You know, I was part of senior management. You know, I ran, I, I looked after millions of worth, millions of pounds worth of contracts for, for the business in a massive multinational business. But I wasn't happy. Yeah. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy at all. Because imagine having a child... And I'm talking about Esme, for example, having a child that till this day doesn't let me put her to sleep. Really? Till this day. And the reason why is, you see, those important moments where they're growing and developing and they're beginning to form bonds. I wasn't there. Yeah. I was at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was working and I was putting food on the table. But children don't really care about that. But you also don't work just to do that. You work to be, you know, to provide, but you also want to be the best version of yourself. Exactly, exactly that. But I looked at things like that. Up till now, Esme, come, let me put you down to sleep. Maybe Candice is working. She's like, nah, dad, I'm all right. I got this. I'll sort it out myself. But then she texts her mom, mom, I'm going to bed. Let's say, because they have a ritual that's something called snog as a bug, and they've added bits to it over the years. And they do that little snog as a bug thing. And when I tried to do, she's like, nah, dad, nah, 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 don't even bother, don't even do it. Yeah. You know, so stuff like that. I just wasn't a happy person. It just, you, you, you could tell it just wasn't feeding my soul anymore. And I was very unhappy. I was quite ratty sometimes. The and did Candice notice that as well? She did. Candice yeah. told me several times over the years, she goes, I don't understand how you keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. So what I was doing was I was working at this massive multinational business and I somehow formed in my mind that that business was the problem, right? Even though, yes, the business didn't necessarily respect family time, because again, most multinational businesses don't. I said, that business is the problem. What I needed to do was change jobs. So I changed jobs. Same industry, but a different company. Okay. Uh, you know, the whole thing felt good for the first six months. But that sadness was still there. Yeah. I came up with another thing again. I said, you know what? It's the business. It's the company. So I joined another company within the same industry. Same thing happened. Yeah. After about six months. Then I found myself leaving that company to then rejoin the company I left initially. Right. But this time around, I gave them rules. I said I gave them rules. I was like, right, this time around, um, I'm not going to pick up my phone after 5 p.m. I'm not going to pick up my phone before 8.30 a.m. in the morning. And I'm definitely not going to pick up my phone or respond to emails on the weekends as well. And they were like, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. We totally understand that. And for the first few months, that was great. But after a while, old habits and all that kind of stuff started to seep. And then the pandemic struck. Mm -hmm. Right. And... We're all forced to work from home. So this is me, used to getting in the car, going to see clients. I'm now sat in front of a computer chasing debt of those yeah. clients. And then I'm looking at my kids outside. So I was in the kitchen in that former house. And I'm looking at my children outside playing, just being kids and asking me to join them. I'm like, shh, shh, be quiet. I've got to jump on a conference call. I'm talking to a client. I just didn't like that. It didn't feel right. Just I think wasn't you. I, yeah, so I had, I think I'd now had the opportunity to actually see what I was missing. Now, I, 
I, Candice said to me, look, I know what's happening. I've seen that, that look before and I'm seeing it again. You're unhappy. I think it's time for you to pack it all in. I gave her all the excuses under the sun. I even gave her an excuse. I said, well, because then I had a vehicle through the business I worked for. It was through salary sacrifice. Yeah. I said to her, yeah, but we're going to need a car. How am I going to buy a car? She goes, uh, we go to the shop, we buy it. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I looked for every yeah. excuse. Until finally I said, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? This is somebody, Candice has now grown her career to a point whereby she was bringing in more money than me. And did you feel, yeah, I was going to say, because for a lot of people feeling this way, like, did you feel like the financial side of it was, you know, yeah, it's not going to be the same, but did you make sure that you kind of looked into all of that before you kind of jumped into the decision? Oh, oh, yeah, very, very important. Yeah. I definitely, did. So I'm very methodical when it comes to that, right? I'm not just going to jump over the cliff. We often laugh about this in the house. I'm that type of person that, you see a cliff, you tell me to jump, I'm going to check how the wind's flowing first. Yeah. I'm going to check, check my trajectory. I look down, I'm like, okay, is there a soft landing for me? How am I going to land? Do I jump yeah, in my head or do I jump that. in my legs? I do that, right? Mm-hmm. Candice, on the other hand, is the type of person that will jump over the cliff. She goes, when I get down there, I'll figure it out. Yeah, well, that's why you work so well together. And that's why we work so well together, because she goes, hey, we're jumping. And as as, as we're in the air, I'm like plotting the show. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> Always uh, on my toes. So, so good. So I, I definitely did all of that first. And, you know, I just decided, you know, that was it. Um, I'm going to pack it in. I'm really going to take some time figure out figure myself out because I'd lost myself in mm-hmm. my job you know I'd lost myself in all that was it I, I was all I was leaving breathing eating it was just my job my work what I did for work and whatnot and plus like Candy said look I'm earning money in fact I'm bringing bringing more money into the household than you are I don't understand what the problem is I knew what the problem was again it's the whole masculinity thing right am I going to leave my job where I'm earning money even though I know that me quitting the job and Becoming a stay-at-home dad would actually make things a whole lot better on that side with Candice. For everyone, for Candice and then for us and then for the family and for the kids. You know, I knew that deep down inside, but I just needed that push. Somebody said something to me, a very good friend of mine said something to me then because I spoke to him and I asked him for advice. And I said, there are three types of people that are going to come out of this lockdown. Some people are going to come out the same. As they were when the pandemic started. Some people are going to come out worse off than they were. Some people are going to come out better because they've learned something through the pandemic. And I think I came out better off for it. Yeah. You know, and that really stuck with me because I said, right, what is my goal? How do I want to come out of this? And that was it. And it took for that. Nobody knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Nobody knew. We, next, we just had coronavirus, coronavirus, right? We're going into lockdown, bing, bang, bosh. Nobody knew that, but that was it for me. That was the pivotal moment where I finally decided to just, you know what, because I wasn't enjoying the job and I wasn't enjoying it for, for about the better part of about six years. Mm-hmm. But I just stuck at it. And that was the much needed push I needed to, to make changes. And here we are. Definitely. And I think, you know, it's very, very hard to quit a job. I've done it before. And I think a lot of the worries that I had as much as financial were kind of other people's opinions on me quitting. Um, How was that for you? Did you kind of, did other people's opinions ever affect the decision you've made and make you waver from it? And how was that like telling people, did you get the looks? Uh, Yeah, I did get the looks. I did get the looks. I got the looks from colleagues I worked with, colleagues that become friends. I got the looks from them. I got the looks from my boss. My boss said, you're really going to quit a job, a well-paying job? You've not been furloughed? 
and you're working and you're earning a full wage during a pandemic, you're going to quit that to do what? You're really going to do that? I said, yeah, I'm going to do it because I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I said, you're better off getting someone else that's happy doing the job, right? Rather than me. I, I said, I don't want to sound ungrateful. The, the, comp- the company has been great to me, fine. But I've also given a company a lot. I've given a company a lot of myself. So actually, I think you guys need to respect my wishes now and actually honor what I'm asking. You know, my dad as well, I had a conversation with my dad. Actually, I had a conversation with my dad after I'd done it because I knew what he was going to say. And you knew you wanted to do it, so you didn't want to get and like... I, and, and, and I knew and if there was one person that could probably make me change my mind, it was him. Yeah. So I made sure I didn't speak to him until after I'd done it. In fact, no, he saw it in a newspaper. <laughs> He saw in a newspaper article. It was an article, it was an interview that Candice had done, and she had mentioned it that I was stay as a stay-at-home. And she called me like, oh, what's this I'm reading? Did he call you? Uh, Yeah, he he saw it. I don't know how he saw the article. He lives in Nigeria and he saw the article Uh, in Nigeria. Yeah, so he called (laughs) Yeah, so he asked me the question and then I answered it. I was like, Yeah, I have, and these are the reasons why I'm doing it. I need to figure myself out, I need to figure things out. And he says now that's the best thing he could have ever done. Yeah, Quit, oh, that's quitting so that, good. Quitting that job is the best thing you could ever have done because this is the happiest I've ever seen you. Yeah. You're so happy. It's obvious to see that you love what you're doing now. You love speaking to people. You love running your business with your wife. You love writing. It's obvious to see that you're in a very happy place and the kids are better for it as well. That's the best thing. I wish I had the guts to do that when I was younger. That's what yeah. he said to me. But, oh, that he had the guts to do when he was younger. That's like the biggest compliment. And like, you know, you just answered a question I was going to ask you, which is like, how did doing this change you? And, you know, as you say, it's just made you happier, better and better in your life. And, you know, you've done all these amazing things. And I can feel the energy from you. And I'm so excited to kind of watch your journey grow. And Verdi, thank you so much for sharing all your moments. I'm going to have to cut this short because number one, we've been talking a long time. You've got to go and pick up your kids. Um, (laughs) But thank you so much for sharing all your moments with us. Um, You're really inspiring. And I just, as I say, I just can't wait to see how much more good you do and the happier life that you live thank you so much thank you for having me really it's a pleasure thank you so much thank you thank you so much bye bye thank you so much for listening to this episode of sliding doors if you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring i would love it if you could rate review share and subscribe thank you so much Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.